0: Right up there, I think, Jason. Uh, Great to talk as always. I think think what Gatlin's demonstrated is that they may not be the best team in terms of player for player, but what they have is this just incredible aura about them now, this feeling of invincibility. And the the defence of Sean Edwards as well, I mean, it's a a lethal potion, isn't it? And you look at the Southern Hemisphere, and I could see they easily would beat Australia, Argentina wouldn't be a problem. You know, if I was a Welsh fan right now, I would be buoyant because this is the best opportunity Wales have ever had going into a World Cup. The only problem is it's such a long way away and momentum in sport is such a powerful force. And that's the only thing which just makes me slightly hesitant about them because they've got this fantastic sense of the moment that they're almost unstoppable. They can't lose. It's what Gats has been talking about. For weeks But of course That first game Isn't until the middle of September It's still an awfully Long way away
1: I saw Warren Gatland Interviewed afterwards And he uh, he talked about Flying under the radar That's impossible now Isn't it?
0: No chance <laughs> I don't know when Jones said They've got targets On their backs And actually If you look at the run um, Of both England And Ireland Since they won Their respective Grand Slams It's shocking um, Ireland have Obviously had a terrible Six Nations England equally once you become the, the, the hunted team, it is the hunter becomes the hunted again, isn't it? And once you become that, everybody wants a piece of you. And Joe Schmidt has found out to his cost how horrendous that can be. Johnny Sexton and Connor Murray, they have fallen right off a pedestal. And they've got to find that form quickly. And isn't this a, I think this is a brilliant thing and a fascinating thing about this year's Six Nations is that it was totally unpredictable. Nobody would have thought that Ireland would have fallen apart in the way that they did. You would have been a very brave person to say that England would have disintegrated against Scotland in the way that they did, um, particularly after the Ireland performance. Um, And now every round has thrown up different challenges, different questions. But the one thing that's been consistent is Wales. And in in, in Gatland, he's completely outsmarted Schmidt, and he's completely outsmarted Eddie Jones. And that is a terrific thing to say.
1: All right. Well, what we all want to know down here, of course, is can they beat the All Blacks in a one-off game? If that should happen at some time in September, October,
0: wouldn't that be terrific? <laughs> I mean, you, I, I, I would love to see Gatland go toe to toe. I just think it would be that one, it, you know, it would be the most incredible game. Um, and part of me, a lot of the debate up here is why Gatland hasn't been linked as much with. You know, the follow-up to Steve Hansen. Why is it the New Zealand rugby just don't seem to take him seriously enough? Because you consider what he's achieved with the Lions uh, in club rugby, um, but more, you know, most importantly with Wales, this, this run. Bearing in mind, he has taken a team which, provincially, the club game in Wales is falling apart at the seams. So this is a guy who has this incredible Midas touch and he's a terrific man-manager. And that's fundamentally about what coaching is, isn't it? It's about managing people. And he is fantastic at it. And it baffles me that I know he wants a rest star for the next World Cup. Why New Zealand aren't interested in getting him signed on? Because for my money, he's the best coach right now.
1: Do Ireland have the time to turn this around? Has Joe Schmidt got, got enough time to, to get his team firing in time for the World Cup?
0: It's a great question. I think that actually time is what they probably need. Um, I think they need to go away. And this, I think that was probably one of the other inspi- um, surprising elements of it. Because, again, you have someone like Andy Farrell, one of the best defence coaches. Ireland was shredded repeatedly. Uh, Joe Smith has got a big headache. He needs Sexton and Connor Murray to come back firing. Um, I reckon the, the club game should probably help them. I mean, we're still not over. and We've got the European Cup finals to come. Leinster and Munster, both and then they need to play their way back into form. And sometimes when it goes wrong internationally, the club game is a huge source of sucker and strength. You go back to your old teammates in your club game, the pressure of the international game has taken off you for a while. And people like Sexton and, and Conor Murray just need to regroup. But the other element to that is you have just seen and appreciated why they are so fundamental to that team. If Sexton isn't firing... Ireland go backwards. If, if the pack isn't firing, they go backwards. They've got, suddenly got a back row problem Ireland and, and And Joe Smith is now coming away with far more questions than he was expecting. He does have time, but he hasn't got any important matches. It's the same for Eddie Jones. They've only got warm-up games now. And in a sense, it's not really the same thing. They're never going to be tested like they just have been in the, in, you know, in, in the Six Nations. And that's the biggest problem they'll have.
1: James, how do you assess where England are at?
0: Well, they're a mental shower at the moment, aren't they? I mean, <laughs> how many teams in world rugby do you know who can squander a 31-point lead at home? I mean, it's just extraordinary. They have they have attacking brilliance. They are physically dominant. But they were punch drunk once again against Scotland, as they demonstrated against South Africa uh, and against Wales. And it's always been one of the most depressing things to say about England. And it's not just in rugby that, that uh, you see this happen. Mentally, there's just not enough resilience there. There's not enough mental strength. And when the chips are down, that's when you see the best men and women perform in sport. That's when you look into their eyes and see what they're truly made of. Owen Farrell has had a number of games now, and he's been captain. And England have, have thrown away comfortable leads. And I think they have badly missed Dylan Hartley, who's been injured for a long time. And I think for Eddie James, it's absolutely essential that Hartley comes back because he has that authority. He's been there and he offers that reassurance because when it was going wrong for England, you look at the team under the post and you look at who's talking, who's reassuring, who are those people to say, right, guys, get it together, slow it down. England were trying to play far too fast. There was no... There was no calming influence, and just there was no Johnny Wilkinson said this after the game you know, England should have just dropped a few drop goals, just played really, really tight and tried to slow the pace down. And yet, it's remarkable that you're talking about some of the best players in world rugby, and they can't seem to think about that for themselves. Now, I'm obviously not one of them, they're the ones in the heat of battle, but looking at it, this isn't just a one off. And Eddie Jones's line that this is something since the 2015 World Cup that they're not mentally resilient is the biggest load of baloney I've ever heard, because this has come under his watch.
1: Was was a small part of you hoping that Scotland would hold on?
0: <laughs> are you asking me as a commentator, or are you asking me as, a <laughs> or as a fan? Um,
1: I, either, either. I mean, obviously, as an England fan, you you, you were, were happy that they uh, that they didn't throw away the 31 nil lead to lose, but at 38-31, I mean, it would have been a, a comeback for the ages, wouldn't it, if they'd managed to hold on Scotland?
0: Oh, it would have been the most astonishing turnaround I would, I've probably ever witnessed, and yes, the romantic and the neutral would have wanted Scotland to win that, um, but I think it, it does demonstrate how unbelievably reliant they are on Finn Russell to do that. I know they had a horrendous list of injuries but it's remarkable that Finn Russell has the Midas touch and can do things like that. Um, I know from an England perspective, I actually thought it was quite reassuring that Joe, uh, that George Ford came on and did what he did and scored because remember, Eddie Jones coined the phrase of the finishers. He's barely used them in this six Nations. Uh Dan Robson was his number nine, who he wanted to take a look at. He hardly hardly used him. George Ford, when he's been called upon has actually brought something different to England. But Eddie Jones hasn't been really using his bench a great deal. So, there's, I mean, he has got a big headache, Eddie Jones, now, because he has to try and work out how he can re-establish leadership in a team which has shown an increasing lack of it when the pressure is on. And uh, talk about mind games. He plays plenty, Eddie Jones, but I'm afraid it's Warren Gatlin who's got the last laugh at the moment.
1: And just a word on France. Uh, you know, they, they uh, as we know, on their day... A magnificent. Did you see anything from France during the Six Nations to suggest they might be a threat at the World Cup?
0: <sighs> I'm taking a massive deep breath here, Jason. Um, have I seen anything? Uh, have I seen anything? In glimpses, yes. Um, but other than that, no. I mean, they're a total shower, France, at the moment. They're, they're, they're rudderless... The selection has been all over the place. In Jacques Brunel, there's a guy who doesn't seem to have the respect of his players. And that said, you have you know, there's some terrific players in that team. Um, you know, certainly Penno out in the right wing, uh, Antimac. You, they have got the core of some some young team. And I think what's really upset me about France is if you look at their club game in certain the Toulouse, for instance, one of the biggest beasts in European rugby, have really come back to the fore in European rugby. And that, that's based around a French team, a young French-Hungary team. And there's been none of that. And one of the reasons French rugby has suffered is because they've relied far too much on big clubs like likes of Toulon and many others, just and, and Racing, to that extent, just spending so much money on international stars. And actually, the true test of France will be in four years' time when they have their own home World Cup. That's when the pressure will tell, because the system has slightly changed, it, they are allowing for more French players to, to play and, and to be rewarded for that. But, you know, French French rugby is in such a state of disarray that it's amazing that the French have played in the way that they have played. I mean, they, they jolly nearly off to Italy. Um, <laughs> and if that would have happened, that would have been curtains for Brunel.
1: Wonderful to get your analysis, James. Thanks so much for joining us on Radio Sport. Look forward to doing it again soon.
0: Jason, all the best. Talk soon.